0: It's really hard to grow up and have healthy relationships when you grow up in a family where shit like this happens. Let's maybe even say it's impossible. As we say in recovery, nothing changes if nothing changes. Hi, I'm Barb Nangle. I want to welcome you to my podcast, Fragmented to Whole Life Lessons from 12-Step Recovery, where I help people heal their emotional, psychological, and spiritual wounds and make deep, lasting changes in their lives. I'm the founder and CEO of Higher Power Coaching and Consulting. I'm a boundaries coach who specializes in helping women who are focused on what others are thinking and doing and neglect themselves in the process. And I have coached hundreds of people on how to build healthy boundaries using my exclusive BUILD framework. On this podcast, I share my experience, strength, and hope from recovery. I don't support or endorse any particular 12-step recovery fellowship, And I don't claim to speak for any particular 12-step fellowship. I also don't believe that 12-step recovery is the only way to recover. You might need additional help. I'm an avid beachcomber who collects sea glass, shells, wood, and stones. I am a formerly closeted fan of the Hallmark Channel, especially the Christmas movies. Hello, Christmas in July. I wear fingerless gloves from September to June because my hands are always cold, so I have about 15 pairs. And I get a huge kick out of counting how many days, weeks, and months there are until my birthday or Christmas at completely random times of the year. My hope is that you'll find my words concretely helpful in improving your life whether you're in recovery or not. If you like what you've heard on this episode, please screenshot it and share it on your social media and tag me at Higher Power Coaching. This is episode 251, Spilling the Tea on My Family Secrets. This is how family dysfunction gets passed down. I decided to call this Spilling the Tea on My Family Secrets, which is not an expression I really have ever used before, but it's what popped up into my head, so that's what I'm using. And that made me think, where did that expression come from? So I googled it, and it was originally from Spilling the Tea, as in the letter T, which stands for TRUTH. And over time, it's been referred to as spilling the T-E-A-T, the drink, just in case you were wondering. We often say in recovery, you're as sick as your secrets. So I'm sharing my family secrets as part of my journey to get well, as well as to help identify with other people so they know they're not alone. And as well as showing how fucked up this shit can be. So I'm guessing this is going to take me a couple of episodes, maybe even three. I'm going to share two big family secrets, both of which I've talked about briefly here and there on the podcast. One is that my dad was unfaithful to my mom, and two, that my mom secretly smoked. And then I want to share some of my own secrets as well. I'm going to tackle the one about my dad first. Uh, This issue is a thread that has been woven through my life over many years. So hopefully I'll remember to pick up all the threads that have been flying all over the place. I might do a bit of meandering as I tell these stories. So bear with me. I feel like I always knew that my dad was cheating on my mom. But when I try to think about when did I really, really know, I was probably about 10, like fifth grade, My dad owned Nangle's Pharmacy, which he opened in 1971 when I was eight. And if we needed him to pick up something like milk on the way home, we'd call him at the store and say, hey, can you pick up milk? I remember calling him for that and him not being there and thinking, oh, he's on his way home. But then he wouldn't come home for hours. Now, I believe that happened multiple times, but I'm really not sure. So I knew something was up, but of course, we never talked about it in my family. And here's another thing that I knew about that added to my suspicion about my dad, which is something I should not have known at that age. In the building where my dad's pharmacy was, there was a bar called the Dial Tone Lounge, and it was a pickup bar. And the way it worked Was that there were tables with numbers on them, and each table had a telephone on it. So if you saw someone that you thought was hot, you'd pick up your phone and call their table and talk to them. Now, mind you, I was never in there. I just know about it because my dad would talk about it, which is completely inappropriate for me to know as a child. So I concluded at some point that he was downstairs from the pharmacy at the dial tone lounge picking up women. Here's another thread. I started working at my dad's store when I was 11, so that would have been 1974. And at 12, I started working there for pay. And when I was in about eighth grade working there, there was a girl whose name I will not mention. Let's just call her B., B had been my babysitter when I was a little bit younger. She's the one who taught me how to shuffle cards, which I remember thinking was super cool. I really liked her. Um, when I was 10, I took piano lessons from her for a year, which my dad really pushed me to do. I fucking hated it. I guess he took piano lessons when he was a kid and really wanted me to do it. Anyway, when I was in the eighth grade or so, she was a high school student working at my father's store as a clerk. She later ended up, after high school, working there full-time. I think she might have been the first full-time employee he had. I remember sensing something between the two of them. I didn't know what it was at the time, but as I got older, I realized that what I sensed back then was sexual tension because he was fucking her. Fast forward to my sophomore year of high school, my parents got separated, and my dad was the one who told us that they were going to be separated, which was weird because my dad didn't even really talk to us. So it was like, what the fuck is going on here? Why is he telling us and not mom? Many years later, I learned from my brother that my mom told my father, you're telling the kids. So my parents were separated my entire sophomore year of high school, and we went apeshit wild, let me tell you, because my dad was Mr. Rules guy, and my mom was Ms. Enabler. And that was the year of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I went to the Rocky Horror Picture Show 14 times my sophomore year, and every single time, me and all my friends got dressed up in those really wild outfits For those of you who aren't familiar with the Rocky Horror Picture Show, it's pretty risque, especially for a 14-year-old girl. During that year, we started smoking weed and drinking in the house, and my mom let us. She actually came to me one day after a girlfriend who'd gotten drunk slept over so that I could get her cleaned up and take care of her so she wouldn't have to go home like that and notice my codependent tendencies already. My mom asked me if I had been drinking the night before, and I hadn't because I was only smoking weed at that point. I didn't start drinking until I was 16. So I said, no, I wasn't drinking. And then she asked if other kids that were with me are drinking. And I said, yes. And then she asked me if I smoked weed. And I remember saying, do you want me to lie to you or do you want me to tell you the truth? And she said, I want the truth. And I told her yes. And then she said, get this, well, I'd rather have you smoking weed here in my house, where I know where you are, than out in the streets. So we took this as permission to basically create an opium den in our basement. When I was a child, our house was like the Kool-Aid house all the kids would gather at our house. Well, as a teen, it was still like the Kool-Aid house, but instead of Kool-Aid, we drank beer and smoked weed. Unlike being the Kool-Aid house. However, my mom didn't supply the weed and the booze. And also, my mom didn't drink. I think I might have seen her drink twice in my life. At the end of my sophomore year, my mom told me that my parents were getting back together, and we were fucking blindsided by this. We never saw this coming. So my parents got back together again, and I just always knew that my dad cheated on my mom and that that was the reason for their separation, though no one ever said that. And The way I've always thought about it is that he was a womanizer. It's new for me to use the term infidelity because I've always said my dad was a womanizer. I didn't even know what it meant exactly because I didn't know if he had flings, full-blown relationships, if he had more than one at a time, if he had a mistress. I really didn't know, but I always knew something. and This was one of the biggest resentments of my life, that my dad was unfaithful to my mom When I was about 30, I saw this particular therapist. I was now at a state college after transferring from a community college, and I was talking to her about my family and about my dad cheating, and she asked if I had ever talked to my older brother, Steve, about it. Now, he's about a year and a half older than me. My little brother, Pat, was eight years younger than me, so he kind of grew up in a very different family, and I told her I'd never talked to anyone about it, especially not my brother, because... Those dysfunctional family rules don't talk, don't trust, don't feel. So I decided to go to my brother and I said, Hey, did you always know that dad was cheating on mom? And he was like, Oh, shit. Yeah, absolutely. And then he told me that he remembered this one time getting in the car with my dad and the song by the Eagles, You Can't Hide Your Lion Eyes, was on the radio. That's a song about infidelity. And Steve said, I looked at dad and he looked at me. And I knew, he knew that I knew he was cheating on mom. And I knew that he knew that he was cheating on mom. Now, that sentence right there, he knew and I knew and all that, that is so fucking typical of a dysfunctional family because everybody knows shit. They're just not saying it. And this shit is so insidious. It's crazy making to anybody, but it's especially crazy making to a child. You're trying to make sense of the world as a child, trying to figure out like what's real, what's not real. And you're figuring shit out and you somehow get, or I somehow got, we don't talk about certain things. I don't know precisely how the message was conveyed to me. Don't talk about this, but we didn't. Now, after talking with Steve about my dad's infidelity, I talked to my younger brother, Pat, about all this. And he went directly to my mom and said, Mom, was dad always cheating on you? And she told him yes. Me and Steve were like, Wait a minute. You went to mom and asked her straight out? We were stunned that he actually went to somebody involved in the situation and asked them a direct question. For Steve and I, that was just not a thing, asking direct questions of people involved in the situation, which. By the way, is how people in healthy relationships communicate. We learned not to do that in our family and wondered how Pat had the wherewithal to do that. I guess I just attribute it to the fact that he essentially grew up in a different family, being so much younger than Steve and I. Though his experience was probably even more dysfunctional in the family than it was for me and Steve, because not only did he get the dysfunction from my parents. He also got my dysfunction and Steve's dysfunction rolling downhill. All right, moving on. At the end of my senior year, I was not living at my parents' house for the second time that year. I'd moved out both times because my dad tried to strangle me. And on senior skip day, I was at home at my friend Allison's house where I lived, and my mom called. I wasn't really talking to her because I wasn't really talking to anyone in my family. And I was like, how did you know where I was? And she said, I called the school and they told me you were out. And I was like, what do you want? And she said, I really wanna talk to you. I want you to come over. And I asked her what she wanted to talk about. And she said, she didn't wanna talk about it on the phone. And I said, well, I'm not coming over. And she said, well, your dad moved out last night. And I was like, I'll be right there. And I ended up moving home that night. And one of the things she said to me was, your father made promises he couldn't keep. Now, I knew exactly what she was talking about. She was talking about him not being able to keep his dick in his pants. Of course, we didn't say that. We didn't say exactly what we were talking about. Then, sometime later, she was talking about their relationship, and she used the expression, well, if your father wasn't out chasing some skirt. And I was like, oh my God, completely blown away by that. And it wasn't even that she was telling me that he was a womanizer. It was her using the expression, chasing some skirt, because my mom had been a lifelong feminist, and for her to refer to any woman as a skirt was very telling. Now, obviously, she was incredibly wounded by this whole situation. All right, fast forward to many years in the future. My older brother was married, and his wife got pregnant by another dude, because You know, dysfunctional family patterns repeat. They ended up getting a divorce. She ended up marrying that guy. But while the shit was hitting the fan and we were finding out about all her infidelity and the pregnancy, my dad started saying all kinds of shit about my brother's wife and her infidelity. And in typical dysfunctional family fashion, I did not say anything to my father. I said something to my mother, who, by the way, had been divorced from my dad for many years by then. And I said, Mom, you need to tell Dad to shut the fuck up about her. If that ain't the pot call and the kettle black, I don't know what is. Now, this was the first time I had ever said anything to my mom about my father's infidelity, which, by the way, wasn't really direct. It was an indirect way of referring to it. The other thing I said to her was, while I'm on this topic, did Dad have an affair with B. That's the young woman I mentioned earlier, and my mom said yes. Now, I had always known that, but I finally got corroboration for that. This thing that I perceived to be true is true. Of course, I didn't say anything else to my mom about all that. That was all I said because, you know, don't talk, don't trust, don't feel. Those are three dysfunctional family rules we all live by. It's really hard to grow up and have healthy relationships when you grow up in a family where shit like this happens. Let's maybe even say it's impossible. As we say in recovery, nothing changes if nothing changes. If you've been trying to deal with these issues in therapy or in recovery for years and you're not thriving in your relationships the way you'd like to, then you don't want to miss my semi-private coaching group for women, Your Empowered Life. It's an eight-week transformational semi-private coaching group for women so you can be authentic and honest with yourself and others and learn how to thrive in relationships. Not only will you get an empowered life, you'll get it at 60% off if you apply by February fifteenth, 2024 either click the link in the show notes or go to higherpowercc.com slash empowered life. There are only 12 spots. Some of them are probably filled by now. And you can start for as low as 275. Now, come on, what ridiculous shit have you spent $275 on that was a complete waste when this is going to change the trajectory of your life and your relationships? All right, so here's another thing related to my father's infidelity. I really hated cheating because the issue permeated my entire family. But guess what? Guess what I did? I cheated. When I was probably in my late teens, or maybe it was early 20s, I was really mad at my then boyfriend. So to get back at him, I had sex with an ex-boyfriend. I did it out of spite, and I didn't feel bad about it back then. Years later, I was out of town and ran into a friend who had a girlfriend, and I knew it, and I went home with that guy. And I didn't really give a shit that he had a girlfriend. I did not end up having sex with him, frankly, because his cock was so fucking huge. And I was like, uh, that is a commitment right there. I am not going to put that inside me unless we're in a relationship. I was scared by how huge it was, which is kind of hilarious to say on a podcast. I was willing to go home with him, and I would have slept with him had it not been for that one huge detail. Then another time, I had a boyfriend that I broke up with, got back together with a couple of times, and then after the last time we broke up, I continued to have sex with him for several years after we were broken up, during which time, he had two different girlfriends, and I knew it. And I knew it was wrong, but I justified it in my head by thinking, well, I was there first. Yet, there I was being resentful as hell against my dad for his infidelity. I cheated on a boyfriend and I was, quote, the other woman to that guy with a giant penis, even though we didn't have intercourse. And I was also the other woman with my ex-boyfriend who I continued to screw With this family secret of dad cheats. This is the behavior that I enacted. So that has been a thread woven through my entire life in so many ways. Now, I did make amends to the women by talking about what I did in an ACA meeting, ACA women's meeting specifically, telling them I could very well have been the other woman in your relationship. And I want to tell you that it was wrong, I'm sorry. I apologize. I should not have done it. And I also wrote a letter to these anonymous women. I folded it into the shape of a boat, then did a little ritual and I put it on the Quinnipiac River and sailed it out to sea. I feel like I have cleaned that shit off of my soul with those amends. I cannot say enough about making amends. So as you can tell, my family secret about my father's infidelity has permeated my entire life. If you've listened to my episodes about reparenting, you know that my deceased father has now been recast and I've turned him into an inner loving dad and he reparents me sometimes. In that work, I've had conversations with him about this. If you're not familiar with reparenting, this is work I do in my imagination. What this new inner loving dad said to me was, I'm not going to go into any details with you about this bar because it's really none of your business. It's not going to be helpful in any way for you to know any details, but I also want you to know that I now know that that was very wrong. It was wrong to you and your brothers and your mother and to all the women involved, and I'm going to spend the rest of your life making that shit up to you. Okay, I think I'm done with that secret. So I'm not going to go into the family secret about my mom smoking on this episode. I'll talk about it on the next one because this one's going kind of long. And then I think I'm also going to talk about my own secrets as well. My point in sharing this is to get it out into the light of day to transform these experiences and not make them be this dark weight, this dark secret that I'm carrying with me. When I first came up with the idea about sharing this these secrets, my inner teenager was not fucking happy. She was like, nope, 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 nope. She was scared shitless. We're not going to talk about it. And I was like, all right, you're right. I'm not going to talk about it unless you decide it's okay. That was probably three weeks ago. So it's taken me that long to get here to do this. She was like, you can't tell anybody it's wrong. We're going to get in trouble and all that stuff. So I did a bunch of reparenting work with her. I had to think through, like, what are my motives for sharing this stuff? And my motives are that this is for my own healing and for yours as well. So if you've been carrying family secrets, I want you to know that it's okay to share them if it would be healing for you to do so. But that doesn't mean that you need to do it publicly on a podcast like I'm doing. My parents are both deceased. So keep that in mind. If you decide you do want to share, be mindful of who and when and where you're going to do it. If you're ready to finally have an enjoyable, relaxing summer doing things you really want to do, instead of always following other people's agendas, I have some openings for private clients right now. If you are really tired of saying yes to things you really don't want to do and being overly accommodating to others, this is for you. It's time to start accommodating yourself. Maybe you're dissatisfied with your relationships and overwhelmed with all kinds of difficult feelings because of your interactions with others. If you'd like to get your life in order before the summer hits, go to barbchat.net and sign up for a free 30-minute call with me about my private coaching so we can get started right away. That way, you'll be done by summer. This is for people who are finally ready to make deep, lasting changes in their relationship patterns, including their relationships with themselves, their partners, family, friends, and colleagues. Go to barbchat.net. If you like this podcast, and I'm guessing you did or you wouldn't still be listening, then you're gonna love the other things I have to offer. If you'd love pre-release podcast scripts and episodes before anyone else gets them, or if you'd love access to content from my private vault that I developed exclusively for my private clients, which is like having a work session with me without me actually being there, go to patreon.com slash higher power coaching. There are three tiers ranging from as low as $4 up to $24 a month. You'll also love my weekly newsletter, Friday Fragments, which has content very similar to the podcast. You can check it out at fridayfragments.news. That's fridayfragments.news. Please like and subscribe to my podcast on your favorite podcast outlet. I'd also love it if you'd leave a review, which you can do either in the show notes or on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find my podcast so they can get the benefits you've gotten from listening. If someone came to mind when you listened to this particular episode, please share it with them. And my favorite place to hang out on social media is Instagram. I'm at Power coaching. Please DM me there. I'd love to hear what you got from this episode. I run group and private coaching programs on building healthy boundaries. Whether you need help with boundaries in your personal, professional, or romantic life, I can help. Head on over to barbchat.net where you can hop onto my calendar for a free 30-minute Better Boundaries consultation. My ideal client is someone who is ripe for change. If that's you, I would love to work with you. My goal with all my work is to help you make lasting changes in your life like I've made deep lasting changes in my life. Remember, it's never too late to recover. No one is beyond hope and healing is possible. Thanks for listening.